Greetings, friends, and we welcome you to another episode of Church is Changing, a podcast that is a ministry of the United Methodist Church exploring new ways that people are discovering faith community and doing gospel around the world. Today, we have a friend from the Houston area, Mike Wang. Mike is the pastor, founding pastor of Oikon United Methodist Church. Hello, Mike. Hey, Paul. Good to be with you, man. It's good to be with you and and to catch up because we have some history in the past, but I've been out of the loop on what what's going on in your world and with Oikon. You are a part of a church that's coloring a bit outside the lines of convention. Is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, I really, you know, people say that, like that we're doing stuff that's different and innovative. I really feel that there's nothing remarkable about what we're doing. We're gathering for worship and meeting in small groups and trying to become like Jesus as a congregation and as individual followers of Christ. So uh, you could say, you, you know, but I'm not offended by uh, any, uh, any, any words like innovative or coloring outside the line. But I personally feel like we're just doing what Christians have been doing for generations. I get that, and I would think that you find um, good roots in the New Mm. Testament, and yet sometimes denominational communities sort of take on certain personality, and I think you're differentiating yourself from some of that that culture. We'll discover as we go. Oikon, how did you come by that name for a a church? Yeah, so oikon is another way to use the Greek word oikos, which is defined as house or household or is often used in reference as uh, in reference to the dwelling place of God. But oikos is uh, actually the official yogurt of the National Football League. So to avoid brand confusion, uh, we decided to go with, I think it's the nominative case or the accusative case. I don't remember. Uh, intro to Koine Greek was a long time ago, but we decided to go with Oikon to you know, make sure that we don't offend any uh, yogurt lovers uh, from the National Football League. Where did Oikon begin? Where did this journey start? Yeah. So I was appointed as an associate pastor of Chapelwood United Methodist Church, one of the larger uh, churches in the Texas Annual Conference. And I was a church planter in residence. My salary was partially covered by Path One. And it was like a discernment process my first year there. And then we ended up starting a collection of small groups called house churches. And so Oikon was originally Oikon Chapelwood. It was a collection of small groups, house churches as a part of Chapelwood. And uh, we started a worship service, and uh, during the pandemic, uh, as there were many changes being made across the board in all of our churches, one of the changes that the bishop and the cabinet discerned was for the community that was Oikon Chapelwood to become its own congregation. This was in October of 2020, right in the thick of the pandemic when it was unsafe to gather together in confined spaces. All right. So you're located physically on the west suburbs of Houston, like in Sugarland. Is that right? Or close to? Yeah. So we started without a location, right. but recently we've started to gather in person and we're gathering uh, in Sugarland, uh, Texas, which is the southwest suburb of Houston. So Mike, during the pandemic, a lot of churches that were really um, working well online began to collect friends from all over the place. So my guess is mm-hmm. your, your group expanded far beyond west side of Houston. Yeah, that was a big surprise to me. I 
I thought we would just hold on for dear life once uh, the bishop changed my appointment, and then we'd wait for the pandemic to die out. But what ended up happening is folks within and beyond Houston began to connect with our worship services, but more so they began to connect with our community as we met in small groups over Zoom. And then we would also have periodic uh, get-togethers outdoors. And so, yeah, to my surprise, the pandemic helped us reach more folks and and folks um, outside the state as well. How does Oikon sort of fit into the family of churches, the sort of the whole ecosystem of churches in your region and around? I mean, is it... uh, how is it distinctive? Who 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 might who might ch- choose Oikon over say Joel Osteen's church? Yeah, uh, Joel yeah. Osteen. There's a lot of there's a lot of churches in Houston, and you know uh, I think at the most superficial level, what makes us distinctive again, most superficial, shallow way of distinguishing us would be to say that we are a younger, multi-ethnic Wesleyan congregation. Uh, part of the United Methodist Church, led by a person of color. But for us, when we started Oikon, the question we were asking wasn't, what is the demographic we're trying to reach? Or how can we make church better or different or more creative or more attractive or more liturgical or more this or that? Instead of asking questions of method or demographic, we were asking a more fundamental question of what is a church? Like, what defines, what constitutes local church. And for us, the the language we landed on was covenant community. The church is a people who make a promise to one another. It's, it's It's a particular collection of people who say to one another, you can count on me. And being United Methodists, we use the language of our baptismal vows of uh, rejecting the powers of evil, confessing Jesus as Lord, and then those uh, vows of participation in community, prayer, presence, gifts, service. And I think it's one thing to use that liturgy in kind of a large formal gathering, but when you're in a room, in a living room or at a coffee shop, and you look at somebody in the eye and you make a promise, you say, you can count on me. I'm going to live a life of prayer. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be joining you in prayer. I'm going to invest in honest relationships in this community with my presence. I'm going to give financially, and I'm going to serve in and along this community. So it's a highly relational and I think there is uh, maybe a word uh, would be responsibility, a culture of responsibility that we at least aspire towards as a community. So I don't know if that answers the question with regard to fit in an ecosystem, but those are some of the distinctives of who we are at least trying to be. And you know, there's nothing that I heard in that that was controversial or honestly innovative <laughs> to go back to That's that. right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. We're not an innovative church. And yet, it's radical because it's going back to root of Christian practice. Mm, sure, and, sure. And it's challenging the way that institutional habits have created churches that don't do some of those things to the degree that mm. you would like. Well, you know, I, 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 I try not to spend my time analyzing from an armchair institutional practices. I've learned that doesn't yeah. get too far. <laughs> That's what I Get do. Me too I'll, far. I'll do that. You, 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 you do, do that work. You do I what focus you do. on my yeah. little congregation. Yeah. <laughs> what have you discovered as we live into the 2020s about people? Maybe that's more that's more clear now. Maybe not profound, but it's just really becoming clear in terms of um, 
people on a journey with Christ? What are you learning? Yeah, that's another great question. And, you know, again, being a pastor of a highly relational congregation, I I think the role of the pastor is to get to know the names and stories of each congregant and get to know their journeys at a personal level. And so, you know, what I've learned by doing that work is just everybody's journey is unique. And I think the more I can get out of thinking about church and Oikon as a kind of deep personal blob of an audience or a crowd, but but see the, the, the names and stories of the children and the parents and the single folks and knowing their journeys, I think the better pastor I become. And so I don't really have a profound insight as to what I've learned about people as a whole, uh, other than that, you know, things we've known from the beginning is people long for meaning, people long for connection and community. And as Christians, we believe that there is something innate in the human soul that longs for the things of God. But maybe what I've learned is that something beautiful takes place when we name those things and gather together in, 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 search, of, in search of God and in search of community. But yeah, I'm really just trying to spend time with the 40 or 50 adults that call me pastor and trying to, trying to discern, be attentive to what God is doing in those lives. Again, I think that swims a little bit in a different direction than the way some of our leadership hmm. instincts have gone in recent years. I, I was in a conversation with some friends in the UK a couple of months ago, and one of the ahas of that very interesting conversation that lingered for three hours was this awareness that we neglect the one-on-one work of ministry. Mm. We don't slow down to see the individual, to hear their story. We just put them in a system. We hope that they get Mm. in this river and that the current's going to carry them everywhere they're supposed to go. And a lot of times they get stuck. They get stuck and they never, because nobody's really paying attention to their journey. Yeah, I, I think out of all the things that I do as the only person on the payroll of our church, I think maybe the most important thing that I do is I sit with people without an agenda and I just listen. And 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 sometimes the conversation really doesn't amount to anything other than time put into being present. And I feel like that, like maybe this does answer the question a bit. That's what people long for, is a sense of being heard and being seen more so than, uh, well, I don't need to compare and say more so, but but I think that goes further than, say, a program for discipleship where you go through these courses. And we have those courses as well, but I I think more significant, more incarnational than those programs is uh, sitting with and being attentive. Most of us have had aha moments on our own spiritual journey where we finally just needed to process with somebody. You know, we just mm. needed to kind of work it out. It sounds like you're, the spirit of Oikon means that when someone's faith takes them to a space where they need to make a decision, they're surrounded by community to help them work on that? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of, you know, maybe for the most spiritually mature uh, in our community, but, but whenever there's tragedy, Whenever somebody loses their job, uh, surprisingly, whenever there is a cancer diagnosis, surprisingly, 
the if you're a part of this covenant community, you have already invested in rhythms of gathering together and cultivating relationships such that it, 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 you're, you go through those crises together. And I'd like to see more of what, what you're talking about, where uh, the discernment of how to faithfully follow Christ is a communal process. And church isn't just something you you know, attend on a Sunday while you have other systems for making important decisions or other cultural values that you live into. Do you think Oikon makes sense to your, your, your co-collaborators in Methodism and other Protestant churches around in your region? Does it make sense to them or are you, do, are you, do you look weird to them? <laughs> so I, I'm good friends with Mark Sorensen, who's now the senior pastor of the Woodlands United Methodist Church, probably the largest, if not one of the largest Methodist churches in the congregation. And I probably be one of the smallest. And so when he and I get lunch together, I think there is a deep resonance of what we're trying to accomplish, a spiritual formation, you know, creating a culture where people can, over time, become more like Christ and creating a culture where you can find community. I actually think it's a lot harder for him than it is for us because we're so small. There's that relational. It's easier to make that relational connection with the pastor and also with one another. But I, I don't know that we're confusing I think we're all kind of headed towards the same path. I think the expressions are different. I think that we're multi-ethnic is different, but I think it's also, my sense is every, like most churches are aspiring towards diversity, but it's easier for us to do it because we don't have to undo any particular culture. We're building things from the ground up. So, on the backside of the pandemic, hopefully we're on the backside of the pandemic, we have altered habits. We have, as a culture, we value family time differently, downtime. Some people just decided to stop going to work altogether. How, what, what's different about the way that you're approaching Oikon coming out of that intensive digital time? Are you hybrid mm. in, in terms of some live gatherings, mm. some digital? What's, what, mm. what, what do you know about all of that now? I, I, th- Because our congregation, like the vision of our church was not predicated on a Sunday morning experience, but more a sense of calling to a particular people, in some ways it's no different. It's just the gathering is in flesh uh, or online. But like, or I'll say it this way, when we were all online, like I knew who was going to show up every week and the people who were logging in as guests I didn't see their faces. So there was no like emotional effect on on me because I didn't know who actually was tuning in. But now when guests and visitors come, like I see them, right? And and so I mean, for the most part, we've had wonderful guests and visitors who uh, many of whom are c- continuing to be a part of the community. But I think it was probably really good for my soul as we as you start a congregation to not see people who really aren't interested in joining the community or aren't impressed by uh, the preaching or the music. So it didn't affect me emotionally and I could continue to focus on the vision. I think I, like, it's really easy, tempting for pastors who are starting something new to uh, be emotionally impacted by those who just, for who knows, for a multitude of reasons, aren't interested in the project. And, and it takes energy away from focusing on the vision that God has uh, that God has put in your heart. 
one of the my practices when we first started the church again in the midst of the pandemic, when I didn't know that it would be financially self-sustaining uh, as, as it is now, uh, one of the things I wrote was, what kind of church would you start even if you knew it was going to fail? And I, I think by on account of the fact that I mostly only interacted with those who were committed and those who had an expressed interest because it takes a lot for you to email the pastor of an entirely online church and say, hey, we're interested in joining a small group. We're interested in finding out more about the church through a membership course. I think that helped me tremendously. And so now I have to uh, regulate my emotions when people come and don't come back. (laughs) Well, definitely when in in the online world you can a family of five can just get up and walk out in the middle of a sermon and and it not distract you. that's right right yeah that's right <laughs> and just click to the next sermon yeah but it seems like a lot of the power of what of what you're doing happens in a circle it happens with 12 people it happens in a living room what is the power in your experience living online and living in living rooms what's the power of actual physical gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And and we started online not because we set out to be a, a innovative online church that was just the conditions yes. of the culture that we were located in uh, or that we found ourselves in. And I think for us moving forward, we're still discerning, you know, because we still have folks who tune in regularly from California. What does it look like for them to be in covenant with us? You know, they're still discerning that. But yeah, there's no replacing being in the same room together, opening up, you know, breaking the bread and opening up the juice with sanitized hands now. Uh, but there's no replacing that incarnational presence of being in the same room. And like a few Sundays ago, you know, so one of the practices that we have in our Sunday mornings is we invite different families to share about what God is doing in their lives, uh, call it family time. It's a now a vital part of our gathering together. And this one family, they found us online, I think last summer, and got connected to one of our small groups and just have built these rich relationships. And, and they, they went through a moment of crisis and that small group was there to support them financially, relationally, babysitting the children. And they shared that with tears, and you could palpably feel in the room the presence of Jesus. And if that was on Zoom, I I don't think, you know, there would have been as much weightiness. Yeah, this just being present in the same physical space together, uh, I don't think that's replaceable. Have you thought about starting groups that meet across town or across the country as a part of Oikon in other living rooms? Yeah, I don't know, Paul. This whole thing is just an adventure. And, you know, I often say I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm a parent. I'm a, I'm, I have two, two daughters. And I, I feel like I've been living one diaper change to the next for the last four years. And I kind of feel the same way as a church planter, just living life from one diaper change to the next, metaphorically speaking. So I don't know what all of that looks like long term. But I know, you know, our values of covenant Uh, formation and justice are what we will always be leaning into. I think that makes a great point that even though there's a lot of surprise on the journey, and sometimes the things that work the best are the things we just stumble into, I think it's it's having a clarity of the values 
that really helps mm. you to know when an opportunity arises. Hey, that's an opportunity. I mean, it may, it really gives you clarity when the the forms and the programs. We don't know. We don't know where culture is going. You know, there's just some right. in the midst of all of that. Okay, right. so if you were to join me at Wesley Seminary sometime and were to like teach a church planting class, what would be what what would be your session you'd want to teach on out of all of this experience and startup? What would you want to t- teach about? I, I I would I would have to begin with the prayer life and emotional stability of the church planter. I think there's so many ways where we can lead out of insecurity and anxiety, you know, and uh, pastoral work involves dealing with all different kinds of personalities and anyone who's been a part of a church congregation for a year or more knows there's this thing called sabotage that uh, always seems to show up. And so having the prayer practices and the emotional wherewithal to not lead from anxiety, but having healthy spaces to process that. I think is so, so vital, especially when you're starting out, because you're going to be tempted to be excited about the smallest yes. Any like small amount of interest from other people is going to get you like excited. And, and, you know, it's okay to be excited, but sometimes that excitement, you follow the excitement rather than the clarity of vision and values. And then, you know, and you have to start with 10 or 12 people who aren't just interested, but feel a deep sense of calling from God to, to, to give of their lives in, in service of particular vision that God is giving to the community. And so I would say spend a lot of time with that initial, you know, 10 group of folks and make sure you have 10 groups of folks who aren't just interested in word, but uh, with their time and with their finances, demonstrate a deep sense of calling. And then, and then, and then just have fun, man. Don't, uh, don't be so serious. Paul, that actually, like my first coaching, uh, visit with you ever, that actually was your advice to me. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, we were getting Mexican food and you're like, and then I, I facetiously asked you, what's the, so what, what do I do, Paul? And then you asked, well, are you having fun? And that actually has been a really meaningful question that I go back to is, am I having fun? And am I praying? Because if I'm not doing both of those things, uh, something is wrong. So I would say pray and have fun have kind of been a mantra for me in this privileged work of church planting. Well, as long as you're doing that, you, 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 there will be a lot of good discoveries, I'm sure, coming along the way for Oikon and for all of us, because we're in this together. Um, how can we learn more about what you're learning? How can we learn more about what you're up to? Is there a website? Uh, you can email me, Mike at Oikon, O-I-K-O-N-H-T-X.org. You can follow our Instagram. Uh, our tag is O-I-K-O-N-H-T-X. Um, and yeah, would love to connect with any, any of the listeners. If I could be of help, uh, to anyone, um, I'm here for it. Awesome. Awesome. We are, we are visiting Today, myself and Mike Wang of Oikon United Methodist Church in the West Burbs of Houston, but a church that during the pandemic began to reach beyond that territory, a church committed to the small group experience and the power of it and the community found therein. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Hey, good to see you, Paul. 
And blessings, blessings. Blessings to you. Thanks for the work you're doing. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.